In this highly motivational special episode, we take the show to a whole new level. Our focus is the overcome mindset, as our special guest likes to call it, a mindset that pushes you beyond your self-imposed limit. Now, we are honored to welcome former Navy SEAL and New York Times bestselling author and a warrior in all aspects of his life, Jason Redman. Now, this conversation goes deep into the mindset of a warrior. Jason is a motivational man that leaves no room for the weak-hearted. Put your earphones on, take a breath, and absorb the lessons that are learned from this conversation. Stand by. Welcome to the Man of War podcast, where we forge men into warriors and get them battle-ready for the game of life. Learn warrior hacks that strengthen your mindset, self-confidence, courage, and personal protection skills. Unlock a life that embodies a warrior spirit for dynamic success in life and in business. If you're joining us for the first time, you're tuning in to the one and only podcast that empowers you to achieve greatness by living the warrior lifestyle. Each show, we interview elite men from around the globe and delve deep into their mindset and daily rituals, uncovering their secrets to success. I'm Rafa Conde, founder and creator of the Man of War Movement. Join me on this life-altering journey where we recharge your mind, body, and spirit. Rise the night, my brothers. This is the time where we start making changes in our life. This is the season. Fall, then winter, then into the freaking new year. The Warrior Development Program gives you step-by-step lessons to changing your life now. Increase your confidence and strengthen your courage on the way to getting battle-ready for the game of life. Right now, new members are less than 20 bucks for the first month. Now listen to me, less than 20 bucks. Give it a try. You have absolutely nothing to lose because bottom line is this, you give me a shout, you let me know, hey, this is not worth at least 10 times the current price. I will refund you every single penny. Visit warriorbreed.co and get in with a network of warrior-minded men that are walking the path of the warrior just like yourself. One last thing, before we jump into this, please continue to subscribe and share this podcast, but most importantly, a review gets us a long way to keeping us at this high level, at the high rankings on iTunes. Thank you very much, and let's jump right into the super episode. Jay, welcome to the show, buddy. Rafa, thanks for having me on, man. This is awesome. Awesome. Hey, listen, we've been talking before the show, and... uh, Basically, you've been a very busy man here over the last a little bit, so I don't want to take too much of your time, and I really appreciate you being on the show here. I, Rafa, it's my honor. I think you and I uh, are both focused on the same thing. You know, how do we make people better? How do we motivate and inspire people to make the best the best versions of themselves? How do they lead themselves? So uh, I love what you're doing with this podcast, and I'm honored to be on. First off, Jay, I want to say thank you for your service. I say this to everyone that serves our country. All right, now let's get right into this show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us who Jason Redman is and how did you come about being this person who you are today? Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you. Um, You know, very blessed. I grew up in a military family. Always aspired to be in the military from a young age. My dad told me about the SEAL teams when I was about 15 years old. And once I heard about the SEAL teams, there was nothing else I wanted to do. So uh, enlisted in the Navy when I was 17, uh, while I was still in high school. Headed, uh, headed off to boot camp as soon as I graduated. Um, I'd only been 18 for a couple of months when that happened. And, uh, and went to boot camp. Uh, went to my first A school here in Virginia Beach, and then headed off to SEAL training in uh, 1995, and um, and and graduated from SEAL training at the young age. I think I just turned 19, or, uh, 20 by the time I graduated, and uh, went to my first SEAL team, and uh, pre 9/11. So operating all throughout Central and South America, doing counter drug missions and, you know, gaining experience and and learning how the SEALs worked and how we interacted with foreign counterparts and seeing hard areas of the world, seeing uh, repressed and extreme poverty. And uh, 
came back after uh, three deployments in South America and became a instructor uh, for my SEAL team. And during that time, I got selected for a commissioning program. I was sent to Old Dominion University as part of the ROTC to get my degree and come back as an officer. And uh, started school in July of 2001. And obviously, uh, everybody knows what happened in September on September 11, 2001, uh, standing there in the student center with a SEAL teammate of mine who we were in school together. We were between classes and uh, we watched uh, on live TV as the as the towers were hit and as the towers fell. And I think we both knew we were at war and uh, we knew that, you know, we would be heading out soon. So finished school and uh, came back to the SEAL teams. Everything had changed uh, during the time that I was going on, the way we conducted tactics, the way we conducted operations. Uh, and I went, I left the military during a peacetime and I came back. And uh, when I left uh, and went to school, we virtually had no one that had combat experience. And when I came back three years later, every guy in my platoon had combat experience. So this was what I stepped back into and what to lead and uh, made some mistakes as a young leader and had to overcome those and redeem myself and drive forward. Thankfully, I had some great leaders who saw potential in me and said, hey, you know, I think this guy's got a lot of potential. So uh, we're going to give him a second chance to overcome some of the mistakes he's made. Went to U.S. Army Ranger School, uh, did well there. Came back, had a very successful Iraq deployment in 2007, and at the very tail end of that deployment, got on the uh, on the wrong end of a machine gun in an ambush on a target we took down in September 2007, and uh, that obviously changed the course of my life. It changed the course of my career and where I wanted to go because. Uh, Two rounds in the left elbow that almost took off my arm and a round in the face definitely changed what I was able to do for the future. And it started at a whole new road of overcoming and understanding how to lead myself forward and how to stay motivated and you know, inspire others around me. Um, went down that road about uh, four years, 37 surgeries, and uh, and. Um, and decided I didn't want to get out of the military, even though I was no longer able to be an operational SEAL. And thankfully, the SEAL teams took care of me and said, hey, no problem. We'll let you stay. And I worked uh, operations. I worked some special projects, training, different things until I uh, ultimately retired in September of 2013 with just uh, 10 days shy of 21 years. Well, that's a great story. So I'm going to take you back a little bit to the incident that where you got shot. All right, I'd like to kind of delve deep and, and, and kind of get a feel of what you were feeling. And, uh, and I know that you described it in your book, Trident, but uh, some of our listeners have not read that book. And I want to go over that a little bit. At the moment that you were shot, go from there. Um. So at the moment that I was shot, you know, I think, and I was shot multiple times. So, I mean, there were actually several moments of being shot. Uh, there was the initial moment of being shot in the arm. And, and I got to say that, you know, when you start to deconstruct the firefight, uh, I tell a lot of people that when you're in a very intense close range firefight, it is organized chaos at best. And it literally is your training uh, and how you have mentally prepared yourself for that situation that's going to prevail. So if you've never prepared to be in a situation like that, most likely you are not going to come out in a positive manner. So you have to plan for those extreme situations. And thankfully, in our training, we had. We had trained to that level that if we encountered a situation like that and um, I had, uh, several of my guys already wounded before I got hit. And my initial thought was just returning fire. Um, when I got shot the first time, uh, I actually thought my arm had been shot off. 
for those who have ever hit your funny bone, which is most of us, it literally felt like um, it literally felt like I had been hit in the funny bone with a bat. Uh, it just was this searing electric shock that traveled up my arm and just slammed me in the back of the head. Uh, and the base of my skull was the feeling I got when I got hit in the arm. And I had no feeling in my hand, forearm, anything. So when I reached over, what had happened is my arm actually caught on my gear, on my H gear, on the left side of my body. And when I reached over, I didn't feel my arm. So my initial thought was, this isn't good. I just got my arm shot off. I've got to get a tourniquet on or I am going to bleed out and die quickly. Yeah, right on, right on. And, uh, and that all comes back to training. Uh, you know, we had trained extensively and how we manage firefights, how we manage if somebody's wounded. You know, we all had uh, extensive trauma medicine training. And we all knew that if somebody was wounded in a firefight, you know, you had to take care of yourself first and, and your teammates had to win that fight. Because if they tried to rush in and save you before the fight was won, then there was a great chance that they would be hit also. So I, I immediately dropped down and started to work uh, to get my tourniquet on. And unfortunately, um, I was losing so much blood that I was so weak, I couldn't even break. I had three heavy-duty rubber bands holding my tourniquet in place, and I couldn't even break those rubber bands to get my tourniquet on. And um, um, I apparently talking to uh, my teammates after this, there was only one point of cover behind us, a large tractor tire. Uh, everything else was an open field for probably a thousand yards. And I, I stood up in a lowland fire and I tried to move back to that point of cover and uh, the machine gun opened up on me again, two machine guns actually. And, uh, and I got stitched uh, uh, across the body, helmet, night vision goggles and uh, uh, turned and caught around in the uh, in the face that traveled through. Uh, it, it entered directly in front of my ear cheek area, traveled through my face and exited my nose, uh, taking off most of my nose, uh, obliterating most of my right cheekbone, vaporizing the orbital floor, uh, breaking all the bones above my eye, damaging the eye muscles. Uh, my eye dropped down into this open socket and it uh, uh, shattered my jaw down to my chin and knocked me out. So that's what my guys saw. Uh, they, they thought I was dead. And, uh, and that, so that is probably, uh, that's probably more than you bargained for when it comes to uh, what happened when you were shot. Now, you were pretty fucked up. I mean, this is a, no matter how you look at it, this is a fucked up, squared away situation. However, you were able to overcome it. And uh, I know talking to you in the past, you said, hey, I made my way. I actually walked from point A to point B to get transported out. Tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, and I don't want to say that, you know, I overcame that situation. You know, it was my teammates that overcame that situation. I mean, I was in bad shape. I was, I was unconscious probably for at least five to 10 minutes while that firefight raged directly over me. And if it wasn't for my teammates, amazing tenacity and courage, my team leader ran forward under enemy fire and dragged me back to that tire. He got a tourniquet on my arm and saved my life. And, uh, and I came to, at some point, back behind the tire with them. And we you know, started conversing, figuring out when the medevac was coming in, you know, what our head count was. And, uh, and, and the other thing that saved us was an AC-130 crew that was on station. Uh, for those that don't know what an AC-130 is, it is a, uh, a propeller-driven Air Force aircraft that is an amazing feat of American engineering, uh, you know, chock full of incredible weaponry and some of the most high tech targeting software and systems in the world. And probably more 
probably more conventional infantry forces and special operations forces are alive today because of that aircraft, because it has the ability to bring in very close range precision fire for guys that are on the ground in bad situations like we were. And uh, my team leader called in the gunship and said, hey, you know, we need an immediate fire mission. Uh, But unfortunately, we were too close to the enemy that had us pinned down. Um, The gunship said, hey, there's no way we will kill you guys. The fragmentation from our rounds will totally kill you. Uh, How close you are, you've got to figure out a way to fall back and create some distance between you and the enemy. Uh, My team leader said, hey, that's not going to happen. There's no place for us to go. There's nothing but a thousand yards of open fields behind us. I've got three critically wounded. Uh, Just not going to happen. So he ended up calling in a fire mission directly on our position, uh, which ended up to this day the closest fire mission in the entire Iraq war. And thankfully, thanks to the precision targeting of the gunship itself and to the way my team leader called it in, we managed to obliterate the enemy and uh, everybody was able to get out and come home alive. There you go. Best case scenario there for sure. Yeah, man. Yep. Absolutely. So, Jay, tell me, what was the main lesson that you learned from that moment in your life? You know, I think the main lesson in that moment, and it is the main thing that I come back to in everything that I do, it is that no matter how uh, difficult the adversity you see in front of you, there is always a way to overcome it. And uh, I will just say it is your attitude that will determine the outcome. So if you look at tremendous adversity in front of you and you say, there's no way I can get out of this, then you will convince yourself and you will convince the other people around you exactly that, that there's no way you can get out of that. But if you have this positive, incredible mindset of I will overcome, you know, I tell you what, that ferocity can create massive changes in the situation that you're in. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, we were we were outnumbered. We were outgunned. Um, you know, we were in a terrible situation. And uh, our guys can do spirit and the idea that, hey, we are going to get out of this um, circumstances allowed that to happen. So my advice to anyone is never quit ever. You keep fighting. You keep fighting till you have nothing left. And, and that is the essence of everything that I now speak on. It is all about the overcome mindset. It is about I overcome, no excuses. Um, you, may, you may not be able to operate at the highest level of what you did before, but it doesn't matter. As long as you continue to grind it out. You know, if, if you could run 100 yards and now suddenly you're all shot up and all you can do is crawl an inch, will you crawl that fucking inch? And, and that is the, because that inch will make the difference between you coming home alive or laying there and dying because you didn't crawl that last inch. Absolutely. I'm with you 100% on that. I mean, it's uh, that overcome mindset. We call it the warrior mindset, whatever you want to call it. I mean, bottom line is that you have that perseverance, that internal fortitude to drive on, carry through, and just win out at the end. All right, so talk to me a little bit about that overcome mindset and how you think, not just say, um, you know, military guys or or law enforcement guys, but maybe business guys and and, and people in, in the regular field out there, how can they use this type of mindset to better themselves? Yeah, right. Yeah, Rafa, absolutely. This is. You know, this is the main focus of any speaking engagement I do. This is actually, um, I have my new online show, the JR Overcome Show. This is actually the topic that we're going to be speaking on uh, next week. And it, it is about the overcome mindset and how it applies to anybody. And I'll take a step back to where we currently are in society. And I see this as being a very big problem. Uh, for the future of our nation. And the problem is this. I feel like there's been a cultural shift away from what made America into what it is today. 
And, and what made America into what it is today was this idea of sacrifice and grit and resiliency. As Americans, we always prided ourselves on our ability to grind it out and fight for the win. And there's been this cultural shift in the last 20 years to uh, that now it's okay to quit. It's like, oh, if you're uncomfortable or if you don't like that, you should just quit because it's more important to be comfortable than it is to uh, persevere through adversity. Hey, my brothers, just a quick time out here to remind you to get your free manual titled Eight Steps to Living a Warrior Lifestyle at forgingawarrior.com forward slash free manual. That's forgingawarrior.com forward slash free manual. Stop by and pick it up. Also, stop by warriorbreed.co and check out our brand new warrior development online training program. It's engineered for entrepreneurs and warrior-minded men just like yourself. Check out that badass network of warrior-minded men. Now back to the show. And I, I, I know unequivocally that that is the wrong answer, that you will never find success if you quit when it gets hard. And the overcome mindset is about that idea that you have to drive forward and you have to keep grinding away and you can never quit no matter what, because that is ultimately what leads to success in, in the, in the SEAL teams and in the military and Rafa, you can, you can appreciate this in law enforcement also. I, I use an analogy to describe what the overcome mindset is, and it involves breachers. So for those of you that don't know what a breacher is, a breacher is an individual that is trained to get inside a hardened structure, whether it's uh, through a locked door, whether it's through a locked window, whether it's through a wall, whether it's through a locked car, uh, it doesn't matter. They are trained to get inside that structure. If we have an individual that's inside there, if we have a bad guy and we have to get in there, uh, they have the ability to, to breach that entrance or breach a hole in that structure for us to go in and execute our mission. And uh, SEAL breachers are some of the best in the world. Our guys have trained local federal law enforcement. We have written uh, tactics that are utilized all around the world when it comes to breaching. And I tell people, what makes our breachers so effective doesn't necessarily have to do with the direct tactic, tactics they learn. <clears throat> and the direct tactics they learn are amazing. You know, they learn how to use um, uh, manual tools initially. They learn how to use sledgehammers. They learn how to use hooligan tools. They learn how to use bolt cutters. They learn how to use mechanical tools such as chainsaws and quickie saws and exothermic torches to cut through hardened steel. And then they learn how to become surgeons with explosives. They learn how to take explosives and, and, and analyze doors and concrete and steel and utilize specific type of charges to go through doors. They even learn how, if there is a hostage on the other side of a wall, how to take a blast and reduce it downward so that the shock wave goes down into the floor and hopefully preserves everybody inside the room so that we save the hostages. Cool those stuff, things, cool yeah, those yeah. things are amazing. But this is what makes the difference in our breachers. And this is the essence of the overcome mindset. It is what we teach our breachers from day one when they start breacher school. We teach them this. There is no door or wall or obstacle that you cannot get through. Whether word, you have, word. Whether, you ha whether you have to go over it, around it, dig under it, or go destructively through it, you will find your way to the other side. And we, we teach them this, we pound this into them so that, the, that by the time they actually get into combat situations overseas, it doesn't matter what they encounter. Because what they encounter to them is no longer an obstacle or adversity, it's an opportunity. And they just see it as another problem to solve to get to the other side. And that is what has made our breachers some of the best in the world. And if you can build your mindset around that, that no matter what obstacle comes in your path, you can go over it, under it, 
around it or directly through it. But no matter what, you will get to the other side. You will find success. And that is the overcome mindset. That's awesome. Love it. Very, very motivational for sure. I'm going to stand up and jump up and start screaming right here, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. All about that. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. So tell me, what is your definition of a modern day warrior? So a modern day warrior for me is someone who is mentally and physically prepared to encounter the unexpected situations and, and, and face them uh, in, a, in a strong, heroic way. I think the modern day warrior is prepared for anything that comes along to them. I mean, we don't live in a day anymore where, um, you know, combat is, a, is something that all men have to face. But it is still out there. There are evil people in this world. We don't know what the future holds. Uh, and, and I think a modern-day warrior is somebody that can protect their family and can protect other people that are out there from threats that may present themselves. And that's done by, by being uh, mentally and physically prepared for those situations. Do you think anyone can be a modern-day warrior? Unequivocally, I think anyone can be a modern day warrior. Uh, it, it, it is not just a decision to say, I want to be a modern day warrior. There's obvious mental, physical, emotional, even spiritual training, in my opinion, that goes into preparing yourself for that. Uh, and there's a lot of things that you can do. I think one of the biggest things that I talk about is um, how do you build that overcome mindset? You know, how do you prepare yourself for those situations? Well, you got to push yourself outside your comfort zone. Uh, in this day and age, so many people just want to stay in the status quo. They just they, they want to be in the comfort zone. And the problem is you don't grow and get better by staying in your comfort zone. You have to push yourself outside of that. So how do you do that? Well, you look for new opportunities that that make yourself, um, that push yourself to the limit. You look for opportunities where maybe you stumble and fall and fail, but guess what? You learn from that failure. It makes you harder, stronger. It makes you better. So I am a big fan of people getting out there and trying new things. I am a big fan of people doing things that push themselves outside of their comfort zone because by doing so, by pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and by mentally, physically, and emotionally hardening yourself to these uncomfortable times, it will make you prepared to encounter when the catastrophic events of life come along, whether it is a threat to your family, whether it is a threat to friends, whether it's a direct threat to you, whether it, maybe it's just some catastrophic event that comes along uh, that rocks you to the core, you know, life-threatening illness or maybe, uh, maybe uh, you know, an, an accident that occurs. But if you are constantly prepared and you have built yourself to have this warrior overcome mindset, you will be ready to encounter that situation. Do you believe that the balance of body, mind, and spirit it's so important to achieve the, you know, to, to achieve that next level, that optimum performance level. Uh, unequivocally. I speak on a concept that I developed that I call the Pentagon of performance. I believe there are five key areas that every person must build within themselves and must find balance in to be, to be optimally ready for when anything happens. And if you're deficit in one of these areas, I think that it can lead itself to success. You can be stronger. Uh, maybe you're strong in four of them and you're weak in one. You know, maybe you'll still overcome. Uh, if you're weak in multiple areas and you're only strong in one, then I think you're setting yourself up for failure. But those five areas are physical. They are mental. They are emotional. They are social. And they are spiritual. And you must find a balance and you must constantly build yourself in those areas. So physical obviously goes without saying. If you are not doing things to push yourself physically and make yourself the best version of yourself, 
already. I mean, that, that, in my opinion, is the foundation. That's the ground level. So if you're not doing anything as a man to get out there and try and make yourself uh, uh, the best version, physical version of yourself, <laughs> you're on your way to failure already. We know it. Your health is going to be poor. You're not going to be able to function well under stress. You're probably going to die young. There's no doubt you're going to die young if you get in a catastrophic situation because somebody's either going to kick your ass or kill you because you're not in shape to be able to deal with it. Uh, mentally, you've got to mentally prepare yourself for those hard situations. Emotionally, you've got to be able to you've got to be able to navigate the highs and lows of life. Life is hard, man. It, 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 it constantly day in and day out, things don't go according to plan. We work and work and work and work to try and set ourselves up for success. And sometimes things go unequivocally wrong. And only if you have emotionally built yourself up to where you can handle the ups and downs, can you continue to maintain, in my opinion, the stoicism and the leadership you need socially, you need to build yourself a team of people around you who both can support you and, and in those hard times are there for you. And, and that's your network, man. That's your team. And every, every warrior, every person needs a strong network, that social network. Because uh, I tell you what, in this catastrophic times of life, you will absolutely need those people. Um, I needed them when I was shot. Uh, it was my family and my friends who truly helped me drive forward and overcome. And then the last thing, of course, is spiritual. And whether you know you whether you believe in God or whatever your beliefs are, there is no doubt in my mind to have that spiritual level. Uh, whether it's 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 the breathing, but you have to look at what is the next thing to drive yourself forward and overcome. And in my opinion, that is the pinnacle of the Pentagon of performance. You've got to find a balance in those five areas uh, if, if you truly want to be able to encounter those, those catastrophic events in life and crush them. So, Jill, I'm going, to talk, I'm going to touch a little bit on the people around you, your network, your brothers. How important do you think it is? You know, let's, let's get out of the box here for a second. So we're not a team. We're not a SWAT team. We're not a Navy SEAL team. We're just out there in the business world. The people that you align yourself with, I mean, how important do you think they are for your ultimate success? I think the team of people you surround yourself are critically important. That, that social component of that Pentagon, is uh, it, it, it can make you or it can break you. So if you have set goals for yourself, if you have decided – I'm going to make a better version of myself. I'm going to make myself the best 100% that I possibly can be. And you have people around you that don't buy into this journey that you're on. They are going to pull you down. And it's not to say that you should totally cut yourself away from those people, but you got to recognize, are these people helping me to be better or are they pulling me down away from what my goals and hopes and dreams are? And, uh, and, and what you want to do is it's critical to align yourself with people who are going to help advance, you know, your hopes, goals, and dreams and the hopes, goals, and dreams you have for your, for your family. So it's, it's unequivocally critical in my opinion that you have to surround yourself with the right people, people who believe in your values, people who believe in what you are trying to accomplish, people who are going to support you and motivate and inspire you to continue down that path to find that success. And I think for anybody out there, when they look at their network and what their team is around them, they need to decide, you know, is this person truly contributing to me? Uh, can I just keep them on the periphery? And, and even though they're not contributing, you know, we can still maintain an edge friendship. Or do we say, you know what, that person is bad news and they are doing nothing, nothing to contribute to me and my family's success and uh, you know what? It's been great knowing you, but hey, I'm just going to have to let you go on your way. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. It's uh, people around you. Your network has to be strong. Um, and uh, I think that in the end, they can lift you up when you're down and vice versa. I mean, it's always a good point to, to be able to push someone because believe it or not, in my opinion, is if you can push someone in your down times, it just makes you that much stronger. 
I, I agree a hundred percent. It's, uh, it's, it's cathartic. Um, and it, when you are in those harder moments and you're working with other people, um, it is human nature. I have seen this so many times because I've been through, I I've been through the toughest training in the U S military, many consider in the world between Navy SEAL training, between Ranger school, I climbed Mount Rainier sick. Um, I, I had uh, pneumonia that turned into bronchitis, and I still made it to the summit. It was probably one of the hardest things I ever did. In, in those moments, it's human nature for all of us. Uh, when we are in incredible pain and suffering and we're hurting and we're uncomfortable, to start looking inward. And, and I've watched this so many times with teams and groups that are supposed to be working together. Uh, it is in those hardest moments that they stop talking and they stop motivating themselves. And what, what's happening is each individual is starting to focus more on their individual pain and suffering. But as a leader, if you can drive past that and you can, you can notice it and say, wow, you know, the team is starting to shut down and you can ignore your own personal misery and you can start motivating the other people around you, it will start a fire within that team. And it will drive you guys forward. And that pain and suffering and misery that you were focused on starts to get pushed to the back of your mind because you start this ground wave, this groundswell of momentum that needs to happen both within yourself and within the team. But it's always critical. Somebody has to do it. And that's why I tell people it needs to be you, because if you're waiting for somebody else to do it, it may never happen. So you got to lead yourself to success and you're going to have to lead the other people around you to success. Excellent. Words of wisdom right there. Excellent. I'm going to go back a little bit to something that we were talking about earlier or that you actually just mentioned in passing. What do you think, or, or I'm still trying to get my head around this, society nowadays and I mean, I see this across the board, specifically in young men that are coming up. I think they're soft. I think that society has gone soft. I, I, I just, even at the police academy, I've been teaching there almost a decade now. And even the recruits that come in, um, it, I feel that they're soft. And why do you think that our society has gone that route, if you agree with me on that? No, Rafa, I agree 100%. And... Uh, like I said, I think it's a cultural shift. I think it's several different things that are happening within American society. I think it is, um, I think political correctness is uh, creating a state of affairs in the world where we're starting to ignore facts and, and focus on not insulting or hurting people's feelings. Um, I hate to tell you the real world it doesn't function that way. Reality doesn't function that way. I think that's a problem. I think the problem of what we talked about earlier, where this, if you're uncomfortable, you shouldn't do anything that gets you out of your comfort zone. You should live in this utopia where you're just happy and comfortable all the time. Uh, and, and if something makes you uncomfortable, you should quit. It's okay to quit. I think that is a, uh, a cultural problem. And then the last problem is I think with our kids in this day and age, uh, we are when as they're growing up, we are not allowing our kids to fail. We are you know, we don't want to allow them to fail uh, in school. We don't want to allow them to fail in sports. Everybody needs to get a trophy because God forbid that little Johnny doesn't get a trophy, even though <laughs> little Johnny's not that good. You know, no offense to little Johnny that you're not good at soccer, but guess what? Little Johnny may be a NASA engineer, but, and, and, and because we want to give little Johnny a trophy when maybe he never would have got one before. Little Johnny may never go off and become a NASA engineer because now little Johnny thinks he's a soccer player, even though he never should have been one in the first place. So we, that all those things, in my opinion, are creating a society of young men who are not prepared for the real world, who are set up for failure. We have not let them fail, so they don't know how to encounter failure when they get there. 
We are not preparing them for the real world where they encounter real adversity and setbacks because the first time they encounter it is when they get into the real world and they've been told, hey, it's okay to quit. Or when they encounter something that makes them uncomfortable, this politically correct day and age, or they encounter a fact that they want to call out and say, hey, this person is bringing down the team. And somebody says, oh, well, you can't say that because that would be wrong, even though it's fact. I think all those things are contributing to the downfall of, of strong young men. We are seeing it in SEAL training. We, we, we have young men who are better prepared for SEAL training than they ever have in the history of our training. Uh, the, the young men that screen to go in the SEAL teams have, uh, the physical screenings they get, the psychological screenings they get, the testing they get. We are selecting literally the top 10% of American youth who aspire to be SEALs just to go to training. And then we put them in a special boot camp class that prepares them to go to SEAL training. And then they even go to a special advanced uh, uh, preparatory course, an eight-week preparatory course before they go out to SEAL training. And, and everything on paper, by the time they graduate that course, says that they should graduate and they are prepared physically. They meet every requirement possible to make it through and graduate from training. And we're seeing more and more guys quit. And, and, you know, a lot of us in the community ask, why is that? And a lot of people feel like it is the current culture that young men are just not mentally as strong as they used to be 20, 30, 50, 100 years ago. I, I couldn't agree more there. I mean, even, even from a perspective of police work, and getting rookies, young rookies, out of the academy and going in, and uh, you, know, you teach them everything you can, get them prepared mentally, uh, physically, uh, give them knowledge about tactics, techniques, etc. But once they hit the street, I mean, the turnover now of you know young police officers not making it through you know eight week, twelve week field training course before they get released. It's much higher than what I started 15 years ago. So I mean, we've seen that drop off, I mean, in a monster way, even what's coming in through the academy. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, we're, in, we're in a situation right now that, you know, I'm just doing everything that I can in my power to go out there just like you and disseminate strength, power, and doing it in a way that even young parents could start acknowledging the fact that, hey, you know what, we need to have this overcome mindset and we need to teach it to our kids. Absolutely. My daughter, uh, my youngest daughter takes dance. She's taken it for years. She is in a very advanced dance class right now. And she told me last night, she's like, Dad, I am the worst one in this class. I don't think I want to keep going. And I said, absolutely not. You cannot quit. I was like, we, one, you're a Redmond, and two, we don't quit. I don't care how hard it gets. I don't care if you're the worst ever. You keep doing it. That's all there is to it. And that is the key to success. That's what these, it, it may not always unfold in the manner that we think it's going to in our mind. In our mind, we may see some end state, some finish line. And, and life doesn't always unfold in the manner that we think it's going to. But I can tell you what, if you quit, you have self-selected yourself out of the equation. And this is what I tell every kid that wants to go to SEAL training. I tell anybody in life, if you're a business, when it gets hard, if you quit, you check yourself out of the equation. Don't do that. Don't make yourself the reason why you didn't find yourself successful. Keep grinding away. Keep driving forward. Because if you don't quit, you know, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't change maybe the external factors that may cause failure. But I tell you what, the one thing you can control is whether you quit or not. So that's why I tell my kids, you will never quit. That's why I tell anybody out there, never quit. Yep, absolutely. Jay, what was your biggest success in life? 
Um, <laughs> wow, that's a big question. <laughs> my my biggest success in life. Um, wow, Rafa, you you have stumped me. Um, I've had a lot well, of. I'm amazing sure I was going to say you probably have have um, you know quite a bit. Being I, I do. I, I have many successes in my life. I'll tell you what I think my biggest success is. Um, and a lot of people are shocked to hear this. I made some pretty big mistakes as a young leader when I got commissioned as a young SEAL. Um, I had a lot of arrogance. And when I came back at being a pre-9-11 SEAL into a post-9-11 era trying to lead new, young, combat-proven SEALs, I made a lot of mistakes. And instead of taking a step back and humbling myself and saying, hey, these guys know more than me, I need to ask for their guidance and learn from them, I held on too tight and, and refused to acknowledge you know, um, that I needed to humble myself to learn from them. And I made some pretty monumental mistakes that led to a bad call on a mission in Afghanistan that thankfully nobody was killed on, nobody was wounded on, but it, it definitely caused my my leadership and tactical decision making to be brought into question. And within the special operations and law enforcement military community, your tactical professional reputation is everything. Uh, rank doesn't matter that much. Uh, how many years you've had, it is how well you operate because that directly impacts whether guys come home alive or not. And I put that in jeopardy. And to recover from that is, a, is really hard. And that road that I went down, that black hole that I fell into and hitting rock bottom and having to build myself back up and humble myself and uh, – and earn back the trust of the guys that I was uh, given the honor to lead is the hardest road I've ever walked. A hundred times harder than being wounded, a hundred times harder than any level of training I've ever been through. And when I retired, uh, one of the more respected leaders in our community at my retirement ceremony said, Jason Redmond is probably one of the only SEALs I've ever met that messed up to the level that he did and managed to redeem himself and, and earn back the trust of all those he led and leave at the level of respect that he has now. And for me, that was probably one of the proudest moments uh, of my life to know that I had walked that incredibly hard road that many times I had wanted to quit because it was so hard and it was so painful. Uh, but I stayed the course. And, and it led to success in the end. Very deep, very deep. Thanks for opening up. That's uh, very touching. So tell us a little bit about um, who your mentor was. I know you wrote about him in your book, um, but uh, give us a little bit of, uh, of an insight on your mentor. My, my mentor was an amazing person. I read a lot about him in the book. Um, you know, in the book, his name is Vince Peterson. And uh, Vince just set the example in everything he did. And, and I talk a lot about this in leadership now. And it's a little bit of a trite phrase when you say lead by example, because I think a lot of people say it, but they don't put as much thought into what it truly means to lead by example. Uh, Vince was the epitome of leadership by example, um, how he led people. He, he always maintained an even keel, uh, stoicism, if you will, about him. He almost never lost his temper. And later, as I was around him, if he did lose his temper, it was calculated. And he did it on purpose to create a point that he wanted to make in that moment. But he had, uh, he had grown up as a Marine, and then he joined the Navy. He suffered a catastrophic injury uh, and ended up losing his leg uh, below the knee. The military wanted to put him out. Uh, Vince uh, got a prosthetic, and he trained himself and, and got back to where he proved he was able to do all the physical fitness tests he needed to do to stay a SEAL and came back as a SEAL commander. And, Bam, uh, I love that. 
Yeah, and he he was my commanding officer when I first met him, and uh, and he every PT session he was out there, uh, whether we ran, whether we swim, whether we did calisthenics. Vince was out there leading from the front, so you never had an excuse. You were like, I'm an able-bodied, healthy guy, and I've got you know the one-legged commanding officer in front of us. How in the <laughs> hell can I not be here doing this? <laughs> and, uh, and, yep. and it even, it even went beyond that. Um, he had this unique ability to lead. Um, very rarely did he say, this is exactly where we're going to go. Or did he say, Hey, Rafa, this is what I want you to do. He would plant seeds in your mind of where he felt like we should go very subtly till you said, Hey, I think this is where we should go. And he'd say, that's a great idea. You know, how would you do that? And you would come up with a plan and he would give a little bit of guidance and you would go out and execute that plan and it would be successful. And it was exactly where the team needed to go. And he would give you all the credit all along. It took me years to watch this and realize it all along. It's exactly where he wanted to go. And if it failed, he took credit for it. He would say, you know what? I was the one that wanted to drive this this way. Uh, you know, Rafa had that idea and I supported it. Uh, and obviously I didn't think it through enough. And that's why it failed. So he was by far the best leader I, I ever worked under. He helped me get my commission. Um, he saved my career on a number of occasions and, uh, and if you can figure out how to lead like that, I mean, I tell myself, if I can lead at 10% of his abilities, then I will be a tremendous success as a leader. Awesome. That's great to have a mentor like that for sure. All right. Talk to me. I'm going to have you open your doors for me and give us a glimpse of what you, your day is like, what you do when you get up in the morning and uh, throughout your day. So my, my typical day, uh, you know, and I talk to a lot about people about this. I, we'll take a step back because I, I, I want to talk about how you lead yourself through your day. Um, and this is a great point, Rafa, because it's something that I uh, I'm actually writing about this in my next book, how you lead yourself, because there's a natural tendency of our military members. I did this. I was guilty of this, that when you get out of the military, there's a natural tendency, especially if you spent years in the military to say, you know what? I want to take a break. I've been, I've been working out forever. I've been wearing a uniform forever. I've been getting haircuts and shaving forever. I want to take a break. You know, I want t-shirts and shorts as the uniform of the day. I'm going to sleep in. I don't want to get up at 4am and work out. And, and the problem with that is it becomes this slippery slope. And after I got out, for all intents and purposes, I was successful. You know, I launched my own speaking company. I had a successful nonprofit. I had a book that came out. Um, you know, I was, uh, you know, on national media talking and doing things. But on the inside, I was failing. Um, I was not leading myself to success. I wasn't working out. My health was failing. I was drinking way too much. And about two years after I was out, I went to the doctor and the doctor said, um, he said, you know what? You're doing a lot of great things out there. But he said, if you don't make some changes in, in your life, specifically your health, he's like, you're going to be that guy that's dead at the age of 45 from a heart attack. And, and, and he wasn't kidding. Um, you know, my family has a history of high blood pressure and high cholesterol. My grandfather died of a heart attack at a young age. So it really was an eye opener to me to say, okay, you've got to get back to building structure and success in your life. Because if you don't lead yourself in the civilian world, nobody's going to do it for you. And then the nice thing about the military and Rafa, I can't speak for law enforcement, but in the military, if you're slacking, if you're not in shape, if you're not where you need to be or doing the things you need to be doing, people are going to jerk you up and say, get your ass in gear or you're going to get booted out. In the civilian world, it doesn't work that way. Nobody's going to come along and say to you, 
hey, Rafa, you're not getting this done, man. You really need to get your ass in gear. Instead, you will just slowly and steadily fade away into total and abysmal failure. And, and along the way, you'll be trying to figure out what the hell happened. So you have to start leading yourself. So about two years ago, I made that shift once again to say it's time to start leading myself and build this structure back into my life. So my typical day now starts about 5.30 a.m. I get up, I wake out, I, I wake, I, I get up, I, I, um, I start planning my day. I, I wake up with a cup of coffee and stuff like that. I have a, uh, I have a schedule book that I lay out what my goals are for the day. I lay out what my schedule is for the day. What are the three critical things that I need to get done that day that are truly going to make my day a win? And then I go to the gym. I'm a big fan of CrossFit. I started CrossFit about a year ago. And uh, I like CrossFit because it doesn't matter what fitness level you're at. And I'll, be, and I'll admit, when I first started doing CrossFit after all my injuries, I sucked at it. I was horrible. Um, and I was so winded and so weak in so many areas. But now, fast forward a year, um, I am now getting up into the higher levels back at my new 100%. There's some things I'll never be able to do. But what I like about CrossFit is it pushes you outside of your comfort zone, no matter what level you're at, because CrossFit forces you to push yourself, you know, where you are at in that moment past it. So I get that workout in and then I go attack my day. Uh, I get to the office uh, or if I'm, you know, out and I'm in a speaking engagement, then I, you know, get ready for my speaking engagement. Or if we have an event, I get ready for our nonprofit event. But uh, and then I come home and, you know, I've got a wife and kids and I'm running the normal routine of what it is to have a family. But uh, and then at the end of the day, uh, that same notebook that I had, I, uh, I go back into it and I look at what were my successes you know, what did I do well? What were the lessons learned? And, and, you know, what am I grateful for? What are things that I can do better tomorrow? And, uh, and I may write down some of the things that I need to do tomorrow. And that concludes my day. That's awesome. Awesome. You know, um, there's a, Hey, can I, I, I'll say one last thing. There's a great, I use, I use a notebook that I highly recommend to a lot of people out there. Uh, they're relatively new. It's called the Best Self Notebook. Hmm. I have best, not heard of it. Best Self Notebook. And it is built around the idea that you identify uh, three-month goals. You lay out three-month goals for yourself, and you write these down in this book. And then daily, the, you, you lay out your schedule with all the things that I talked about to accomplish those goals. And I've been following that. It's made a great, uh, it's made a great difference for me, and I recommend it to everybody. That's awesome. Best self notebook. Is that what you said? Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna look that up. So. All right. So, where can people reach you, Jay? People can reach me. Uh, my nonprofit is Combat Wounded Coalition. We are helping wounded warriors. Uh, we are inspiring wounded warriors to overcome through pride, power, purpose, and peace. And uh, CombatWoundedCoalition.org, we're launching the new Overcome Academy, teaching wounded warriors how to be leaders, how to lead themselves to success. Many of the things that I talked about earlier and how to get them back out in the community as leaders, specifically working with, uh, with youth, get them speaking in schools, get them leading little league teams, get them uh, – Boy Scouts, whatever it is, I want these these wounded warriors in front of America's youth, showing them how to overcome, how to lead, how to be effective members of a team, how to deal with adversity. Uh, you also can find me at my, uh, my speaking and consulting company website, softspoken.com, sofspoken.com. I'm on Twitter at Jason Redmond WW. I'm on Facebook at Jason Redmond. And you can subscribe to my YouTube channel under Jason Redman. Uh, and, and I have a show that I'm doing every two weeks right now called the JR Overcome Show. And it's all about many of the things that we talked about tonight. 
Yeah, that was a cool show. I, I watched it the other day on YouTube. That's on YouTube, right? That's right. I'll put uh, all the links on the uh, on the show notes so people can get a hold of you and be able to watch your shows and kind of get into your uh, into your tribe there. All right, Jay. Well, listen, we're going to definitely have you on board again. I mean, this has been an awesome conversation with you. We explored different topics. And uh, I just want to say thank you for your time. Rafa, my honor, man. I love what you're doing. We need more of it. I, I worry about the future of our country. Um, we, we need strong men. We need strong leaders. We need strong men and women, but we need strong leaders who are going to lead this country forward, who are going to drive through adversity. You and your man of war, your warrior mindset, it's critical. People need it. Thanks, Che. We're going to do the best we can out there for sure. All right, brother, stay safe. Thanks, Rafa. Hey, my brothers, there you have it. A motivational kick-ass conversation with Jason Redman. This guy's badass across the board. Definitely some awesome lessons learned here. Now, remember, it takes action in your part to make it happen. Don't forget to follow us on social media across all three media sessions, which is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Man of War Podcast. Last but not least, if you've enjoyed this episode, gentlemen, please give us a review and share it with other warrior-minded men. That is how we will continue to grow this brotherhood. And until next time, remember, your life may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory.